Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar Magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you enjoy our interviews. This week, we got to talk with a wonderful musician, Tao Nguyen. I hope that you enjoy our interview. Like, welcome to Why Not Both. So, yeah, basically, what what have you been up to during all of this? What's been what's been keeping you occupied? Um, would you say this encompasses like the last eighteen months, or or from the beginning? Oh yeah, we can even yeah. go before then. We can go for like hopes following, like. Oh wow! All right, okay. Um, yeah. uh, general survey. Well, you know, um, we had started the with the release of Temple, which uh, quite inauspiciously released May of 2020. We had already started uh, that campaign around March. Yeah. So, so March is when the first video came out and, uh, and, or right before South by actually. Oh, and, no. um, and so it was hard for us to tell, obviously at that point, who could, who could foresee. Yes. Um, and so, you know, given, given um, hindsight, I would have, we would have delayed the release of the record but pushed on because it seemed like every you know everything was already in motion yeah it seemed like maybe at most we would be delayed till the fall uh so i spent the beginning um promoting the album virtually and uh made a music video on zoom um which was originally it was scheduled to be shot in person in LA, but right after South by was canceled, yeah. uh, California went in, went into shelter in place as you, yeah. <laughs> and I was supposed to shoot it in LA and with dancers yeah. and everything. And then, um, so we decided to transpose it to zoom because at that point it was still, we caught it in within the novelty period where yeah. there was momentum Yes, and yeah. energy for such a thing. Uh, so I'm thankful that we we got it in before um, <laughs> before <laughs> the despondency. Really yes, happened. yes. When people were like, "Oh gosh, how exciting! Let's have Zoom parties instead of like, please never Zoom with me." I'm so yeah. done. <laughs> just like, why don't we talk on the phone anymore? Or, or, or see you later. We'll talk some other time in a few we'll months in 2022 goodbye <laughs> got a great feeling about 22 um so that's what was going on for the first you know within the the first two or three months um but once the uprisings hit um 
it it you know i basically i stopped i well you know everything stopped uh rightfully so and but that to me marked kind of the end of um i it not you know of course it wouldn't feel right to do anything um, um regarding anything besides uh the greater issues at hand um so, oh, then I started cooking more um, and we were, you know, I, I have a neighbor down the street who's a baker and he has a bread studio that he runs out of his house. And oh, wow. um, once the protests were going on and we teamed up to raise money for um, different local organizations in the Bay, uh, um, racial, racial justice organizations and um things like the anti-police terror project. And uh, so I had this idea that I would collect produce. I would collect excess produce from our neighbors and also from the CSA that I subscribe to because I'm full, you know, I just am. I feel uh, this. Stereotype. Um, So (laughs) so I had the CSA, I read the CSA. And anyway, so I'm collecting produce and... uh, and do, people are donating whatever they have on hand. And and then my plan was to turn it into, we, I would make soup every week and then he, my neighbor would bake bread and then we would set, you know, so then we would sell the meals to the neighbors and then all that money would go each week oh, to a different organization. That is, that's genius. Thank you so much. Like, <laughs> that is, that's community building it's fundraising. I was like, those are all the good things. Cause I was thinking about how artists do play an integral role in protests and social uprising and social change. Right. You know, and at that point there was nothing I could do music wise yeah. that, that, that I would typically do. You typically play a fundraising show, you know, release a thing there, there was yeah. little to do. Um, and it felt nice to be a part of the community in that way. I will say uh, I was way in over my head and, and our house was a mess. It <laughs> was very supportive, but also like what? Like what just happened? What is happening? <laughs> and it's happening every week. And also I'm terribly disorganized and I'm not a professional cook. I just, I really love cooking, but I don't have like, I, I didn't scale up correctly. I it's super, you know, there's like a set pickup time. Everyone has paid their money. They're picking it up at 4 p.m. Right. I I'm like, oh, uh, we got mason jars up to my ears. Every, there's <laughs> everywhere. I'm like shoveling shit in. It's oh my God. And we didn't, I mean, it lasted a, a fair bit, but but um my neighbor has kids, you know, he has, he has little kids and, and it got to be a lot. Yeah. To, a lot to juggle. Yeah. So anyway, so oh that was gosh. A, a certain period. And I was um, cooking meals for nurses. I have a friend who's a nurse. And so, oh, this is also, I was like going to, you know, and as I'm sure we all do, I anyone in music at any point or multiple points are like, maybe I'm done. You know, so right. I was just right. so I had, I was focusing a lot of my time and energy into food, and um, anyway, and I bought a ton of to-go containers, and I still have them because I <laughs> slowly fell off that train. Um, 
when I became interested in music again. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, wait, maybe I am a musician after all. <laughs> Oh, and it's so funny. I was like, uh, what am I doing? Is this, am I just trying out and what is my job? My job is a musician, thankfully. Yeah. Um, that's what I've been doing for a long time. I can't, what am I, and then I ordered, I've, I don't know what to do with the to-go containers. I'm trying to find a place where we can donate them. I was wondering if there's like food missions nearby that might need them for when they're serving food. Totally. Yeah, I think there are. There are we were a little bit worried about, or we don't know about the, the health regulations or maybe, I don't know if the package can be open. Anyway, these are the things that, uh, little things that consume. Well, and it's, I love the way that you put it, that you were just like, wait, but am I a musician? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, valid question, you know? And, and, you know, what I, I think it's, I, I've had, um, I don't think, I haven't been shy about discussing how complicated my relationship to music and making a living playing music has been because it's brought me a lot of uh, grief and turmoil, but, but it, because in the end, it's because I love it so much and it means so much. It's, it's hard to subject yourself yourself to that that kind of and to be that vulnerable over and over again and to want so much you know oh anyway every once in a while I have to declare that I quit exactly well and also to to have so much attached to it as well Mm -hmm. like to have it be like your identity and your livelihood and your expression like in some ways that you know if it's not if it's not sparking on that particular day, that sounds like it could be like devastating. Right. <laughs> and it has been, you know, and I think it's such, um, it's such a gift and an ongoing practice to navigate how to love it so much and be so focused and devoted, but also maintain your identity separate and not so much identity as self-worth. Yes. Yes. Like that's, I think why your idea resonated so much with me that it's like, it's a shift in perspective to be like, Oh, I actually can contribute in this other way. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, where does one find their self-worth when you're like, okay, I can't do the things that I usually would do to help or the things that usually define me. Like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Um, because I agree with you, it put everybody in kind of an unusual situation where, like you said, it's like that to me was like, I mean, I remember on the podcast, I was interviewing people about like best ways to help the community and like posting like resources and things like that. Like it wasn't a time to be like, Hey, like, let's, let's chat about art. I was just like, art's really important, but like, not right now. (laughs) Like Other things are important right now. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, when you are like trying to help your community, you don't want to, in a way, like lose yourself in the process because you are part of the community. Um, I love that you took spare produce. I, I must admit, I so much produce has met its demise in my fridge. It's tough. It's tough to manage. <sighs> yeah, I know. But do you do the thing where you 
you like uh you have a beat on it you know that it's there and you know that you will use it but it just gets to the point you know where you can no longer that's what happens and like when I was at the beginning of the pandemic I was like potted with several of my friends because um bizarrely we were written up in the LA times for being a group of friends that were helping each other and I was like that will forever be my favorite April fool's like it's like April Fools, your hometown newspaper, the LA Times, has realized you have friends. <laughs> like, I was like, how did this happen? <laughs> and I found that was the only time in my life, weirdly, when I was really good at managing produce because we were all like kind of meal planning together and there were four of us. Um, whereas otherwise I will just have the best intentions and highest hopes for all of the vegetables I bring into my home. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's only so much stock one can make. That is exactly. I'm always like, I'll just make my veggie stock and put it in the freezer. That's full of veggie veggie stock. (laughs) Mistakes have been made. Yeah, and like I have the veggie stock, but it's not yet soup, right? So <laughs> there is an additional step. So now, you know, you've set yourself up to get a little bit closer to eating. <laughs> but it, but it's like further away than anyone wants when yeah, they're hungry. Oh, right? yeah. You're like, do yeah. I just put it in the instant pot with some lentils? What do I do with you? Like, you're like <laughs> like I haven't thought this one through (laughs) I'm always like but I have no then I don't have any veggies on hand yeah put in because I used everything because it was too old that I didn't make the stock now there's nothing to put in and then now we're just drinking broth yeah I literally I googled today like what to do with celery and spinach (laughs) because I was like there's got to be something I haven't thought of The first thing because of is nope, you thought of everything. You already know. It's not like you're gonna roast celery. Like I was just like, what am I gonna do with you? (laughs) (laughs) But I love that idea of like, you know, that you're like, I'm not I'm not a chef, but I'm gonna hop in. And like we did get to experiment during this time. Like I do feel like it freed up space to be like, well, all the structures we had are gone. So uh what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm grateful that I I um as I was circling back to music, I got way more into production and engineering and that's, you know, that's like the the kind of um the disassembling of the idea of ideas that we built before that I held before that you know I'm not an engineer I'm not a producer da, 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 da. but you know what we I had the time you, you know it, it's just um you just it's a constant striving towards it but it, it felt really good to start good you are it's so cool that you said that you are not the first person I've talked to that especially um during this time when we couldn't rely on, for lack of a better way of saying it, like the cis dudes that were used to doing the engineering. <laughs> um, they were like, oh, it's just me now. <laughs> um, but it was really empowering because then you're like, wait, I actually can do this. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard that from so many artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was just like, not to dunk on the cis dudes, but like I've heard that from a lot of not cis dudes, basically. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that we're discovering, oh yeah, this actually does interest me. I'm good at it. I can learn it. It's accessible. Like, as opposed to being this like dark art. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) That's the weirdest experience when like you're in the studio and someone is like, you know, messing with a plug-in chain and you ask like, oh, you know, like, what is that? And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. You're like, no, I I want to worry about it. (laughs) I'm actually paying to worry about it. Yes. 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 (laughs) What did you get into creating and like, what did you find you ended up making with that new perspective? Uh, Well, um, gosh, it's been, so let's see the chronology. I mean, it's so wild how long, of, how, how long this has gone on. So, uh, as I, I started, there were, you know, um, different requests coming in every once in a while to cover, to record a cover of a song, um, or to, to write an original track for, um, whatever news outlet you know things mm-hmm. things that would start coming in so yeah. you know as the gears started slowly turning again there were more opportunities to make new things um and uh yeah I was writing and still am and now I'm I'm in I just got back from tour um I was out um, for a month which was wow. so interesting and was really great to be back out. Oh, I'm curious what that felt like. It was, you know, it, it, um, well, you know, through a course of a month long tour, it feels like everything. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was everything that I had missed, everything I had never missed, I would never miss. and, And, um, but it was really exciting. I mean, without a doubt, the, the energy of the audiences and, even venue staff, I think everyone was just so glad to be back in, you know, inching closer to a more consistent form. Um, It was really fun, but it made me excited to, to, to come home and be able to work every day on music. I know, which I have never, I, which I've always had, um, I've never been able to to keep up a consistent practice, you know, never, never before. So, so it's nice to just basically have office hours. You do the work every day and that is the discipline of it, you know, or that's um, something I've always wanted to have, but never really had the right studio like the right home space to do it or it was moving around or touring so much that I could never have a a stable recording setup well and also like when you come back from touring then it's kind of like the drop after that that it's like you're exhausted and kind Mm -hmm. of depleted but Mm -hmm. it sounds like this was like the right amount of touring and also the right energy of touring that it brought you back into the space where it's like oh I actually am fueled to work on things for sure. And I would say typically I wouldn't take, I wouldn't be out for a whole month. I'm, I've done that a ton in my life and I like to keep it under three weeks, which was the idea that I had of myself um, in the, in most recent years, but a month is, so the first two weeks, you know, it's exhausting. There's just no way to go from over a year and a half of, you know, it, it, of, basically being sedentary yeah. <laughs> and, getting, and getting quite comfortable with it 
And then, you know, you're just back on every night. And so the first two weeks um, was really exhausting. And I think once I got my my stage legs back, um, then there was enough time to enjoy it. I'm glad that you got to the enjoyment phase because I totally hear you on that, that it's like, even one of the first like social things I did at the start of the summer was I went to the dog park with one of my friends and his dog. And like, I came home and felt like I'd been at like an all night warehouse party. <laughs> like I was like exhausted. <laughs> I was like, that's where we're at now. Okay. <laughs> I gotta be on in front of all these dogs. You gotta talk. Yeah. Just the talking way more talking than I, have grown accustomed to (laughs) no it sounds like the audiences and the venue staff and everyone really did kind of give back some of that energy because when you're performing you are putting out energy but that's what's so wonderful about performing in person is that you get that energy back oh gosh I was so grateful to not be performing um in my living room in front of my computer yeah yeah Because like, obviously, you know that people are there, but it's not the energetic exchange. Like there's nothing that so far, at least I haven't found something that mimics that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I I really appreciate what it has allowed as far as accessibility for people. So I'm not knocking it, but I, you know, of course, there is something remarkable and, and at best sacred, you know, when in a live performance, uh, that exchange. Yeah, it feels, I like what you said about that, that it's not that live streaming is bad. It's just a very different experience. Mm -hmm. And like that idea of sharing sacred space, like even like before we started recording, I was like, for the listeners, it's always weird that I'm like, oh yeah, people listen to these conversations. That's what a podcast is. Uh, (laughs) Like we were were talking about headphones and I was remarking that like I was listening on my partner's headphones and could actually feel the sound in my sternum. Um, that that's so unusual because generally that only happens. I don't know about you, but that only happens to me when I'm like in a space where the sound is actually being created. Um, and that usually happens in like a live space. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where it's coming through your feet and you know, yeah, it's surrounding you and it's, you know, and that, and when you know that the person, like the first show I went back to, it was so surreal to me to recognize that the person that was in front of me was actively creating what I was then sensing. Mm-hmm. It was like that, like, like yeah. rewiring that connection again. That I was like, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. How does it feel then to be coming back to your space and being able to work on stuff, like you said, in office hours, like how is that changing what you're making? Um, it feels great. It feels like what I have wanted my entire adult life and before then as well, my entire musical life. That's what I've wanted. Uh, and as far as how it affects the work, I think it's just, um, efficient, <laughs> in that I, you know, it's efficient to stay in the work space and in the mental space of work. And, you know, I don't lose that time and, and I don't lose time falling out of my practice and then feeling bad and then getting back in, but having that anxiety of having wasted time, Mm. not to say that those 
things are true, but that is what has plagued me forever, is the I, just the, the notion and the feeling that I am wasting my, I'm squandering time and potential. Oh, yeah, as artists, like we get that so much where it's like, if you go through the day and you don't quote, like make something, mm-hmm. you're just like, all that popped in my head was that meme of like, guess I'll just die. <laughs> you're just like... Totally. And, and also that it's, I well, I think it brings me to know that I have worked or or played music or just um, entered that mental space every day. It is, it's joyful to me, you know? So I think, um, yeah, (laughs) yes, totally not working every day. If I was okay with not working every day, like if I, I I think taking a day off is great, um, but it relaxes me to know that I have worked, but you know what I mean? Uh, so I, um, I, I'm fully supportive of taking time away. Um, but it, taking time has always just uh, created more stress for me. Well, and what you're talking about, even that, like the falling in and out of it, like one thing, and I don't know if this resonates for you, but during like pandemic times, I learned that it's better for me to kind of, I don't know how to describe it other than like make like time chunks in my mind of like, this is the time for this activity, but it's like, I only do that activity during that time block. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, cause otherwise I was finding that like, I, I heard what you said about like when you're falling in and out, it's like those transitions between things that Mm -hmm. I felt like I was like not spending my time wisely because I was, I was spending time transitioning from thing to thing. Right, right. Yeah. And so, that yeah. I've totally done that. And but and that's what I feel foolish about is in the you know, it's not a like I know what I want to do in a day, but then to get caught up on some bullshit with the <laughs> you know, that that is what drives me insane about I like that you just made the universal symbol of I've gotten a slew of text messages. <laughs> So, yeah, like why do I look at this thing? It's like it's neck trouble. I, you know what I mean? All the things. I mean, here, you know. So anyway, um, I'm yeah, that's a great point. It's like, oh, yeah. what do you do in between the things you want to do, and how do you get from one to the other? Because that, like, I always joke I want to throw my phone into the sea for like that exact reason. Um, the group chats that I'm in like someone like called me out there like you haven't responded in like two days and so what I did was I just took a screenshot of my like home screen mm-hmm. all the notifications on it and they're like this is nightmare inducing I was like yeah this is what it's like every day this is why sometimes I'm behind on things like I was like, <laughs> I was like it is an actual nightmare vortex this is the nightmare box <laughs> like, And so it's like, I make times for literally, I make communication times, except for, I mean, like, obviously like people who are really close to me can like contact me anytime, but it's like, you know, it's like, I make time for, and then I get annoyed by the way, during my incoming communication time and outgoing, if I'm doing an outgoing communication block and someone responds to me, I'm like, oh, now is not your time. This was not an incoming time. (laughs) 
because yeah, like that, that accessibility can interrupt my concentration or it can all of a sudden introduce a new emotional state that like, I might not have wanted to be in when I was working on another activity. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, I don't like it. It's very fracturing. (laughs) For sure. I also got way more into, I kind of, um, I, I, I delved back into guitar as a student, you know, which is, I think that, you know, it's been my primary instrument for so long and I am the first to concede that I, I kind of rested on the laurels or have been, you know, rested on the laurels of what I can do on the instrument versus continuing to, you know, and so then my songwriting is, depending on, well, when I'm writing on guitar, I I don't want to be limited by what I have always done. Oh. And I was falling into the same grooves of what I can do or have been able to do. So to study more jazz guitar and just theory in general has been yeah. um, my latest or something that I, again, something I've wanted to do for a long time, but couldn't find the the peace or clarity to just do it you know yeah well what's it like stepping back into like the student role it's way more fun than the kind of flummoxed frustrated bitter (laughs) (laughs) um, on the verge of quitting music (laughs) so i would much rather always be the student (laughs) yep it's like coming into things with like a beginner's mind and being like, okay, what, what do I have to learn about this? That's fascinating that you said that because I started revisiting, like even reading sheet music, because that was like, not the first skill that I learned on piano. My first teacher didn't realize that I was just playing what I heard her play. Nice. Yeah. Which I was like, cool, we got this. And like, I kind of spot check things on the sheet music, but I wasn't really reading. And then like, I got a new teacher and she was just like, wow, you play so lyrically. Like, can you sight read this piece for me? And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> you want me to do what now? Yeah. <laughs> but like learning that. And then in high school learning theory, I had been afraid that like learning that would destroy kind of the magic of music. But instead I just found that there were like names for the things that I knew existed and that it helped me frame things differently. And that like, once I knew how something worked, then I could be purposeful about how to like make it, you know, work a different way. Like, and so I delved back into like a bit of like reading sheet music and reading about song structure and things like that, that I hadn't done in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it to be relaxing because yeah like do you ever feel frustrated when you're working on something that you're like oh I feel like I've already done this before definitely yeah 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 and uh I also and part of the um when I feel like I've done this before I think a lot of it is I haven't been listening as a music fan I just haven't oh. it would stress me out listening to new music or even anything it would stress me out because I immediately would go I would start thinking about how they made it or how should I have made something like that instead how could should I make something like this now you know and it and I for a while just was not listening to music um, as someone who loves music and so it's been so nice to um 
absorb and and broaden and just remember that I'm a fan first. That's so, I think, you know, people who are listening that are musicians and who are artists to remember that you are a fan of something is so important because I, I fall into the same trap mm-hmm. where like, I'll be listening to something and I'll feel like a swell of emotion and then almost try and turn it off by being like, oh, I wonder how they created that with the production work. Or like, oh, I wonder this. And it's like, you can just stay in the emotion. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> you, know, you don't have to go like, ah, oh, I didn't write that. And someone wrote that. And now yes. <laughs> that's, oh my God, there's a look that literally my partner gets on his face of like when something is awesome and it's this mix of, you know, that he appreciates it. And he's also mad that he's not the one that made it. Oh yeah. Oh, like a very particular facial expression. <laughs> I love that. I was like, that's exactly that phenomenon of like, I love this, but I hate it because I'm not the one who made it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the highest compliment you could give. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. (laughs) I know how to relax when I I feel that way for things that are totally outside of my realm that I have no business feeling that way about. Like the second second season of Fleabag. (gasps) Oh my God. You know, it's like, or I may destroy you, and you're like, I don't make shows. What am I? I don't write yeah. for whatever. I'm not a showrunner. There's no, but I'm. I'm just so. But again, it's it's so incredible. Yes. So well done. So well executed. Uh, yeah. So you put the desire to harness that somehow, even if it's not that you're like, oh, I wanted to write the second season of Fleabag. It's like to right. like. <laughs> I just wanted to convey, to capture and convey the way that captured and conveyed. (gasps) Oh God, I'm reliving it now. (laughs) Like it's just, I want to watch it again. And also I don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know that. (laughs) Oh God. And it's interesting to think about like creating in different spheres because like you said that you're like, oh, I'm not a cook, but I'm like, hey, you are because you made a whole bunch of soup. Um, (laughs) (laughs) or sometimes I don't know have you ever found yourself like that like launched into another creative sphere that you didn't expect yourself to be in yeah definitely um well um so this I think in 2019 I almost um was I almost became way more involved in the theater than I ever have been um but uh, I attended, I was invited to be a part of this um, workshop for ACT, which is based in the city, uh, ACT Theater, or I guess it's American Conservatory Theater. Uh, anyway, I wrote like a, a sort of one person show and workshopped it. And it was just within the span of this week. Um, and I performed it. Uh, and it was in the theater is so I mean, I know very little, but just from what I have experienced, um, it's I had an amazing time developing that show and um, and uh, the audiences are so it, it's such a it, it was so it was such a more intimate experience, and you just feel like they're they travel with you really intently, way more than uh, a rock show. <laughs> <Just understand. laughs> 
nice to to yeah. sometimes when I'm on stage at a rock show, I I don't talk as much as I want to in between songs because I'm very conscious of the momentum and losing energy and people drinking and talking and you know just losing the audience. And in theater, it, in that one experience I had, it, it was it was so nice to be free of that fear. Mm. And that's thinking about that from like a performance point of view that like in a way that's so much more intimate. And in Mm -hmm. some ways, like, I mean, when you're performing music, that's incredibly intimate, but then when someone's really following along for that story, that's a different kind of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with music, you can retreat into it in front of the person and they won't mind. You can even turn it. Yeah, you can even turn around. You can, around. You can talk to your bandmates. You can, you know, I can sometimes I just face the drum kit and my drummer because yeah. I just need a break, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Or it's or you're so caught up in the music and the energy yeah. of that. Um, so it's really interesting to think about that in those moments, the audience doesn't need you to lead them mm-hmm. to stay with them. Um, to stay so closely aligned with them. You, yeah, you, kind of like you can move so, in and out. Yeah. yeah. And they're moving in and out too. And, yeah. It's funny because I think of shows that I've gone to and I remember like, for instance, when I first started going to Tori Amos shows when I was like, but a wee teenager. <laughs> <laughs> that one of the things that people liked best that they'd almost listen to even more intently was when she would talk between songs. Mm. And that to mm-hmm. me was fascinating because I haven't experienced that at other shows. Right. That like people get so into that. Yeah. Um, and even as a performer, I am loath to talk on stage because I never know exactly what to say. Like, I'm like, hello, here's my mystical <laughs> piano synth things. Um, goodbye. <laughs> Because I'm like, I don't think you're here to hear me recount like things. I, I think you're here for like <laughs> the millennial Enya experience. So like, I think that that's what you're probably here for. <laughs> I bet that millennial Enya line wouldn't kill though. <laughs> you know, it's funny. At shows at a certain point, especially like further on in a tour, you know, everybody is locked in and the performance, the musical performance is pretty much the same, you know, the same level. And so, and that's relaxing. And so sometimes, and when it gets to that point, then I base the quality of the show on if I landed my jokes, which is an additional layer of stress that I, because it'll ruin, I'll, I'll just, I'll be so crushed if, you know, if a joke falls flat, That'll ruin the show for me. Oh. <laughs> you know, totally unnecessary to do that. I completely understand. I'm still haunted by very strange things I've said in front of crowds of people. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that covers things. <laughs> right. and, and sometimes they're there with you and sometimes you're like, oh, nope, we just, uh, we lo- we'll just keep playing music. Okay. I, mm-hmm. Yep, we got you. that's it's also interesting expectation that we put on ourselves as like musical performers to also bring kind of like a persona into it as well 
Yeah, I know. And it's and that can run the gamut. That is such a wide spectrum, right? Yeah. And, and I, yeah, that's very fascinating to me because I don't know. I mean, for for someone to not address the crowd at all, I'm I'm fascinated by all of it. I think some you know like whatever works and. Um, but I, I appreciate the effort and the intent behind, you know, like a, a more, almost an art performance piece or yeah. I haven't been to a lot of shows where the person doesn't engage with the audience at all. But right. Yeah. I, the, the, the sort of the breadth of the variation is really interesting. Yeah. And also how to even address like kind of that communal energy. Like that's what I was curious about, like being back on tour, because I would assume that like in some ways that energy must be really intense right now that people can finally gather again. Um. I, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't find the energy wasn't intense to me. I thought it, I thought it was quite heartening. What was more intense or what was disheartening was when it felt like nothing had changed, you know, or uh, if, you know, I, the thing that irks me the most, uh, which I think would irk any performer is um, the people who make the effort to come to your show, but they, then they, talk or they, or they co- they're they pretty upfront but then they're very clearly not not there. with what's happening yeah totally and if they're speaking really loudly and making it hard for you to do your job yeah that it only happened well, I only lost my shit once which I think is pretty impressive because well, I have kind of number but that's the kind of thing where I I don't you know so that was disheartening to see that after after all this yeah maybe that's too optimistic anyway but you know don't come to the don't come to the show if you don't want to be at the show you know you very easy to not come to the show plenty of people do it (laughs) yeah there are so many other options (laughs) you don't have to be here if you don't want to be here (laughs) yeah that's, I've been wondering about that because yeah, especially like in LA, I mean, people seem to go to shows sometimes like just to be like either seen at a show or to just like, you know, people go to shows for all sorts of reasons, but like, I was hoping that after this, there would be more of like, cause you had brought up the idea of like a sacred space, which for me it is where there's this reverence of like someone is coming and bringing their energy and their art. Like you as an audience member are there to like participate. Right, right. And I, you know, I get it. I, I get there are other reasons for people to come to a show. And, but if, if you have one of those other reasons, then don't be so close to the stage. <laughs> Maybe chill in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like somehow, I kid you not, my first show back, the one tall guy. There's always the one tall guy. I'm like barely five feet tall. Somehow mm-hmm. the tall guy finds me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. plants himself in front how does that how does the tall guy do it <laughs> <laughs> like I was literally I was standing with my friend like um at where were we we're at the Wiltern um it was my first inside show 
and mm-hmm. literally somehow like this person must have been like six five like maybe they just didn't see me in their peripheral vision <laughs> but like literally just like walked right in front of me and I was like oh the tall guy <laughs> he's back I, I missed you yeah. what's it been up to exactly how's it been up there <laughs> I guess what are your hopes for the future? Like now that you have seen these different perspectives of like how you can create and what you can create. Um, I think, uh, I think I'm, my hopes are, I hope humble and not grandiose, but I I really have um, a, a, such a greater um, appreciation and gratitude for being able to make um, music for a living, and and I've been doing it a long time now, thankfully, and I think I'm I'm hoping that as time goes on, that's it's enough to just get to do what you want and be able to make a living. And that's not always been what my, you know, I have, uh, I think it's healthy to, to have a certain kind of ambition and drive and to maintain standards uh, for your own uh, work. Um, But uh, yeah, my hope is just to be able to keep doing it. Yeah. I like what you said that it's like, even though you want to learn and you want to iterate and in a way kind of be in competition with yourself, Mm -hmm. like to also hold space for the gratitude that you get to do this. For sure. Yeah. 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 I think to just stay calm enough to recognize and observe the balance and maintain the balance. That's a lot of work. (laughs) It is. It's easy to lose sight of that. <laughs> um. You know, and this this field is funny, or I think any field where you make something and hope enough people like it, that <laughs> you have to have some level of belief and confidence. Yeah. That, you, know, you have to, to believe that you're worth anyone's attention. Um, but then to keep it, wrangled and controlled enough so that it doesn't crush you you know <laughs> yeah it's that it's that I was thinking of like the duality between that like kind of like the magical thinking and egotism of like what I'm doing is worthwhile um everyone should pay attention to it versus also like kind of the humbleness and gratitude of like it's so wonderful that people do like what I'm doing um and I'm mm-hmm. grateful for it instead of like expecting that they're going to Right. Like those two opposing forces, I was like, okay, as long as you have those in like equal balance, like you're going to keep making stuff. Um, Cause if one takes over, <laughs> I'm just like, I think we've all met those people where ego <laughs> takes over. Um, <laughs> it's almost, I was like, it's hard to be like overly gracious. I guess you could be, but like, <laughs> you, well, you know, that's an interesting point. I, I obviously have had a lot of time to think about things as you know. 
And I do think that I have suffered for, um, uh, suffered from and for an overabundance of gratitude mm. within the, you know, the, within my career and who I've worked with. And um, I think it's really dangerous to only be grateful mm. when no one will, no one is the steward of your career more than you are and no one will care more. Right. And I have, I've lost sight of that in the past where I, I don't believe I was as prudent or scrupulous or um, conscious and conscientious of what was happening on my behalf. Oh, gotcha. You know, from it does like just kind of the nuts and bolts of industry, you yeah. know, of, of yeah. trying to have a career in music and what happens um, and who represents you and yep. what, what, can, what do they do? You know, you're paying them. Exactly. And, um, and, and I think um, some people more than others uh, will err on the side of, uh, well, I just am so lucky this person, this manager, this whoever is yeah. willing to work with me, as opposed to saying, clear, clearly they want to work with me and I have something to offer and I will hold them. Everyone will hold each other accountable, accountable. to do their work, do their job, you know? Yes. And um, it's like still recognizing your agency there. Totally. Yeah. Cause the thing that gets sacrificed is your career, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Or it can be, that's, that's what's on the line and nobody, you know, and, and the ability to make, art and to do it in a sustainable way and yeah. no one's going to feel that pain more than you if, exactly. when you can't or when you've you know perhaps you've let things slide or people got complacent on your behalf and things haven't moved the way they should have whatever um so <laughs> that was a long-winded way of saying i i think it's it can be dangerous um to be only grateful yeah, because then you aren't stepping into your own power and like not giving yourself enough credit. Mm -hmm. What popped through my brain was literally, you're the mitochondria of the cell. You're the powerhouse. Nice. Yeah, somewhere back there from like eighth grade biology. I remember the making the model and like trying to make it 3D. Uh-huh. I just ended up 2D. <laughs> I was like, why did we all learn that instead of like how to pay taxes correctly or like things like that where it's like <laughs> how to build furniture um <laughs> how to fix a light socket <laughs> like I'm like hmm, sure remember the mitochondria though <laughs> Lisa and I can use it as a metaphor yep no I love what you said I think that that is completely wise advice for for artists to remember that it's a balance of your own agency and your own power and having gratitude for those around you. But ultimately you are the one that like, in a way suffers the consequence, both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. So I like that, that it behooves you to actually be like, Oh no, I'm piloting this ship. I like they're all my crew members. <laughs> but Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And to show, you know, do and fair 
compensation and appreciation, all that, all that should be clear and, um, and, and so should your working relationships and what your boundaries are. And, and, you know, if your expectations are not being met, don't just internalize it. Right. Right. You're allowed to be like, Hey, this is what's going wrong. Right. Don't just love yourself, you know, yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a team effort. Mm. Oh, you've been so generous with your time. Like I was thinking about that, that I was just like, Oh, you took the time out of your day to chat. That's really cool. (laughs) Oh yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for wanting to chat. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.